Uh, good morning, Journey, and welcome to October. So I've learned that there are some things in life that everyone, um, that everyone knows, but they haven't been taught them. Like you just kind of know them intrinsically. You haven't been taught them, but you've learned them somehow. A few years ago, I took one of my first trips overseas on a mission trip to a place that was probably less than safe. Uh, and when we got off the plane, I asked the guy who was hosting us, is there anything that I need to know? Like, you know, I don't know the language. I don't know any of the people. Are there any customs that I should avoid or make sure I do? Like, I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble over here. And he said, you know all that you need to know. And I said, well, like, what does that mean? He said, well, if somebody smiles at you, what do you do? And I said, you smile back. And he said, good. And if someone points a gun at you, what do you do? And I said, like, raise your hand. He said, good, you're good here. Like, you, you know the basics. Somebody smiles, smile. If they point a gun, surrender, and you'll be good. There's things that, like, Americans know that we all know. I'm not sure when we learn them, but we all know them. Like, if you're driving down the road and someone starts flashing their lights at you, that means... Whoosh. It can mean that maybe there's a deer... Or a possum that's going to run across the road. And if there are no cops in the room, it can also mean that there's a cop sitting up ahead and you need to slow down so you get caught. Although I've never flashed my lights for that reason. Uh, we also, if you were raised in the 80s, you know that when the Nintendo starts glitching, you blow in the game. That wasn't written anywhere on the instructions. But if you take the game out and you blow in the game and blow in the game console, it magically starts working again. There's, there's just things like that that we know. And somehow you know as a child, like you're not taught it. But you know as a child that when your parents use your entire name when they're talking to you like that they mean business and you don't have to learn it in a parenting class. You know when you really want to talk to your kids, use their first, middle, nickname, last name, surname, like all at the same time and that just draws them to attention. We've never really been taught those things, but we just know those things. We know when mom and dad are trying to get our attention. My question for you this morning is this, how do we know when God's trying to get our attention? Like what happens in your ear, what happens in your heart, what happens in your life, what signal is flashing at you or talking to you or communicating to you when God wants to get your attention? Because I believe God wants to get your attention. As a matter of fact, I believe God's been speaking to you all day of every day this week. I believe God communicates with people. I actually had a guy I had never met before in my life who two weeks ago found out I was a preacher and asked me a question about God communicating. We were sitting in kind of, you know, a setting, um, you know, where I was meeting new people. And he said, you're a preacher? And I said, yeah. And he said, I got a question for you, preacher. I said, what's that? He said, like, is the end of the world coming? Well, that's, you know, it's like a hard first question. I was like, well, it's, I assume it's closer today than it was yesterday. Like, there's a good theological answer. I was like, why do you ask? And he's like, well, the eclipse and the hurricanes and like nuclear war, like that sounds like end of the world stuff. Like, is God trying to give us signs about end of the world stuff? And I said, man, I don't know. I don't know if God's trying to use those as signs, but do I think God is trying to communicate with you? Yes. I think it's probably a little more subtle. I think it's probably a little more simple. Um, not sure about the end of the world, but yes, I believe God is trying to communicate with you. But often God doesn't communicate through eclipses and hurricanes and nuclear war. Most of the time God communicates in a whisper. And we're beginning a series today that for the next six weeks will train our ears to hear the whisper of God. You say, why do we need to hear God's voice in our life? Well, don't you want to know God's will for your life? You say, why do I need to hear God's voice in my life? Don't you want to have hope when you're discouraged in life? Why do I need to hear God's voice in my life? Don't you need to find answers to the problems you're facing or find direction when you come to a crossroads in life? I mean, God speaks to us to help us in our lives. In the next six weeks, 
We're going to meet two people. One of them is named Samuel. We're going to meet him today. Another one is uh, named Elijah. We're going to meet him in three weeks. And by learning their journeys of how they learn to listen to the voice of God, we together, I believe, in the next 40 days can learn how to hear the voice of God. Now, whether or not we listen to it, who knows? But I believe from Scripture, I can teach you how to hear the voice of God. Last month, we learned how to live with faith over fear at Journey. It's one of my favorite teaching series that I've ever had a chance to be a part of. We learned how to live with faith over fear. Now I want to teach you how to learn with a listening ear and a listening heart to the voice of God because God is speaking and I want to help you hear it. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. That's where we begin meeting a young boy named Samuel today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Take your notes out of your bulletins. You can follow along or fire up your Journey Church International app. Everything on the screen will be in your handheld device. You can take notes and then email yourself uh, your notes at the end of your message if you like to have stuff on your computer rather than shoved in your Bible. And let me set up Samuel just so you can understand where we are. If you've never been to church before, this isn't going to help you much. We're really glad that you're here. Thanks for being with us today. If you've been raised around church, this will kind of set the scene. So Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt between 1446 and 1406 BC. It takes 40 years to make an 11-day trek because they were so stubborn and rebellious spiritually. In 1406, Moses dies. And from 1406 to 1375, Joshua, as the general of Israel's army, helps Israel go in and conquer the land of Canaan. And the land of Canaan now becomes the land of Israel. In 1375, Joshua dies. And for the next almost 400 years, till 1050 BC, when Saul becomes king, Israel was ruled by judges. The judges didn't rule the entire country. They just kind of ruled the state that they lived in. They were really rescuers more than they were rulers. One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Judges. But as we get to the end of the period of judges between 1150 and 1100 BC, the nation is unified, not under the judge, but under the high priest. His name is Eli. And during this time, Samuel was born between 1150 and 1100 BC, probably closer to 1100 BC. And things are bad. Like that's what you need to know in Israel. Things are bad. You say how bad worse than you can think worse than USA 2017, um, worse, worse than any other time in their history in Israel. Things are bad. As a matter of fact, Samuel was born into a time period that was described this way by the author of the book of Judges. Judges 21-25 ends with this verse. It says, in those days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. In another translation, it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Basically, just people lived however they wanted to, and they didn't care how it impacted others. In those days... Everyone just kind of did what they wanted to do. So we read about in the book of Judges, judges named Samson who delivered God's people, but we also learn the name of all his prostitutes. We read in the book of Judges about a man named Gideon who put faith over fear to conquer the Midianites, but then we read how he took all the people's money afterwards and kind of set himself up a shrine to worship. We read in the book of Judges about a guy named Abimelech who was one of Gideon's son from his multiple wives uh, who had the strength to rally people behind him, but he was so insecure that he killed all his brothers so they wouldn't be a threat to his throne. We read in the book of Judges about a rescuer named Jephthah who was the mightiest general of his day, but was so insecure in his trusted God that he told God, if you allow me to win this battle, I'll sacrifice my daughter. And he did. He killed his daughter. We end the book of Judges by meeting a priest who knowingly allowed his girlfriend to be raped and murdered because he was upset with her. It's bad. You can understand that verse now. In those days, Israel had no king. Everybody just did what they wanted to do. It was bad. It was ugly. And into this, Samuel was born. 
Now, the name Samuel in Hebrew is Shemuel. Uh, if you say it properly, it should sound like Shmuel. The name Shemuel means name of God. But when you say it in Hebrew, it sounds like heard by God because Samuel was born of a prayer. Say, what do you mean Samuel was born of a prayer? Samuel's mother, Hannah, like many of the women in our congregation, maybe you currently today, had fertility issues. She couldn't have kids. And she found herself one day at church, and she asked God, she said, God, I'm okay with not having kids if that's what you want for me, but if you would allow me, Lord, to have a child, I promise I'll give him to you, and he'll serve you all the days of his life. And she got pregnant. Shemuel, God heard her. And when she had her son, she named him Shemuel or Shmuel. One of our ministries that we support in Israel is Beit Eliyahu, the house of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Their pastor's name is Pastor Shmuel. If he came to America, we call him Samuel. But there we call him Shmuel because that's his name, heard by God. Hannah's prayer was heard by God, and here comes Samuel. And the Bible says when he was weaned at the age of two or three, like he would have been in those days and ages, that he was taken to the tabernacle. She dropped him off with Eli and said, here's my son. I asked that God would give me a son, and I said if he did, I'd give him back to God all the days of his life. So he's here. Teach him how to serve God. He's yours, not ours. That's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Even with Samuel's supernatural birth, even with his almost lifelong service to God, his real ministry really didn't begin until he learned to hear the voice of God and interact with God. And I want to say this to you. No matter where you are spiritually... If you have not hit the place where you know how to hear the voice of God and interact with God, your spiritual life has the potential to go to a whole new level. Let's see how that happened with Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 today. Next week, we'll be in verses 10 through 20. And for the next six weeks, we're going to learn how to hear from God. It says, the boy Samuel, circle the word boy. He wasn't a kid. That's the exact same Hebrew word used for David on the day he killed Goliath. So he's probably a young teenager, between 13 and 16. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling out as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Hey, what if God's been calling your name every day this week and you just didn't know it was him? Like what if every day this week God's been whispering your name because he wants to reveal something to you about his will for your life, but you just don't know it's him? What if this week God has been calling your name because he wants to speak into your hurt? We are in the midst of a hurting community. I don't know what your hurt is, but I know we had a school who had a young lady take a gun into school and kill herself in a a bathroom Friday in our community. We are in the midst of a hurting community right now. I don't know what your hurt is, but what if God this week's been whispering your name to speak to your hurt, but you didn't know it was him? What if God this week's been speaking your name because he wants to talk to you about a situation at your work that's really been bothering you, but you just didn't know it was him? 
Or God wants to speak to you about some of the challenges you're facing and tell you to hang in because they're going to end, but you didn't know it was him. Or God's been speaking to you about the next steps for your life in this season of your life, but you just weren't aware that it was him. This is where Samuel is in 1 Samuel chapter 3. God was speaking to him, but he didn't know it was him. Samuel would become the only man in Israel who would hold the following offices at the same time. He was the only person in the Bible who was a priest, a judge, and a prophet at the exact same time. He was a really important guy in the history of the Bible. However, none of these ministries began until Samuel learned to hear the voice of God. He was just like us, going to church, hanging out, having friends. But when he learned to hear the voice of God, everything changed because the will of God for his life and the plan of God for his life began to be real clear in his eyes. What could God be calling you to if you just knew that it was him and that it was intended for you? I mean, look what Samuel would have missed, a priest, a prophet, and a judge if he would have never heard from God. But when he learned to hear from God, he learned to step in who God had created him to be. Some of you are here today. You're 30, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60. Some of you might be 70. And you've not yet stepped into who God wants you to become simply because you don't know how to hear from him what that is. But I'm praying that's going to change in the next 40 days for you. Samuel had to learn how to hear his name so he could respond. You know, when I was in school, I know you probably don't believe this, but I got in trouble quite a, quite a bit um, in school because I like to be funny. I was the class clown. I was always making jokes, and every now and then my jokes were not timed perfectly with the teacher's sense of humor. Um, and, like, you know, I, I spent a lot of time doing homework in the hallway, you know, like to the point where other teachers would just kind of pass by, and they just like, you know, hey, Christian, in the hallway again doing homework. And I was like, hey, how you doing? Like, I got in trouble a little bit from time to time. But I never got in trouble from being absent until I got to college. Like my dad was a principal. My mom was a school teacher. Um, so I, I was always there. So I never got in trouble for being absent until I went to college. And then I got to college and all of a sudden I go to, I go to class and I go to football. I mean, after football practice, my position coach would hold me over and he would say, um, hey, Christian, you owe me, you owe me a mile. You owe me 10 sprints. You owe me so many gassers. And I'd be like, why? They're like, cause you're skipping class. I was like, coach, I didn't skip class. And they're like, nope, we got the attendance reports. You weren't there today. This happened two or three times. They're like, Christian, you got to run. You didn't go to class. And I was like, I was there um, before he finally said, you need to go talk to your professor and figure out what's going on because you're being marked absent and you're, you're running around this field because you're not there. So I went to my teacher and I was like, listen, I, I have not missed a class. I don't miss class. I do a lot of things, but I don't miss class. And he said, well, how come you don't check in when you're here? And I said, well, how do you check us in? And he went down his roster. He said, I call everyone's name. When your name is called, you say, hey, I'm here. And he said, you never say that you're here. And I said, well, my name's not in your book. And he said, sure it is. So he got his book out. And he went down, what's your last name? And he saw it, Newsom. And then he said, right here, Gary Newsom. And I thought, aha, that's not my name. I mean, it is my name. It's my dad's name. It's a name on my license, but that's not my name. My name is Christian. I go by my middle name, not my first name. And he said, well, every class period I'm asking is Gary here and no one's saying they're here yet. And I said, well, I didn't know that was my name. I didn't know how to respond to that name. So can you like cross it out and start calling me by my name? Because I'm sick of running around simply because I didn't hear you call my name. Some of you are exhausting yourself spiritually running in circles because you've not learned to hear God call your name yet. You don't know when he speaks to you and says, go. You don't know when he speaks to you and says, stop. You're just running in circles, feeling like you're punished. Because you don't know how to hear your name spiritually yet. Samuel learned to hear his name and it changed his life. So we need to learn to listen. How do we do that? Two things today. It's only the tip of the iceberg. The next six weeks we're going to learn a lot, but we're going to start the process with Samuel today. How do we learn to listen? Number one, 
We need to learn that hearing from God is a spiritual skill that has to be developed. It's not something that when you become a Christian is given to you. It's not something that on the day you're baptized is birthed in you. It's not something that you get when you go on your first mission trip or when you give in the offering for the first time. Hearing from God is a spiritual skill that has to be developed. God had a special plan for Samuel. But Samuel was not born with a supernatural sense of just being able to hear from God. He had to learn how. Samuel had to be taught to hear from God. And some of you are in here and you're like Samuel. You're teenagers. Some of you in here are teenagers and you're college students. And you're thinking, you know, when I grow up, God's going to speak to me. No, God's speaking to you right now. But you need to learn to hear from God. And some of you are like, you're like teenage Christians. You're, you're more mature in your life, but you're brand new in your faith. And you're thinking, man, once I've gone to church, maybe for 10 or 15 or 20 years, God will speak to me. No, God's speaking to you right now. But we have to be taught how to hear from God. Eli, on the other hand, Eli's a problem here. Because Eli had to remember that God was still speaking. It's interesting how the mature, complacent, crusty Christians, because they push away from God a little bit, believe that God's not speaking to anybody else either. When you read scholars in 1 Samuel 3, they said Eli should have known the first time that God, that Samuel came to him and said, you called me. Eli should have known. No, that was God. It took Eli three times to remember, oh, maybe God is speaking to the boy. Because Eli had quit listening to the voice of God in his own life. And maybe you're here today, you're a Christian, and life has gotten so busy, life has gotten so hectic, you've, you've had a season off spiritually, and maybe you're an Eli who you've been taught to hear the voice of God, but you need to remember that he's still speaking to you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to draw you deep relationally. Samuel had to be taught. Eli had to remember so that they could see things clearly. About a year and a half ago, actually it was about a year ago, I was convinced that I was dying of a brain tumor because it's, it's just how I operate. If something in my body hurts for more than one or two days, I'm just sure that it's critical and then it's over. You know? So like I had a headache for a couple weeks, and I just told Danielle, I've had a headache for a couple weeks. I probably have a brain tumor. I'll probably die. Here's what to do with the will. Here's where I want to be buried. And she's like, stop it. And I'm, it's, just so, it's just the way that I process things. If something hurts, there's something really, really bad. And then once I get past it, it's like, okay, I'll just, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out now. Um, but I didn't end up having a brain tumor. But two years ago, I had to get reading glasses because I'm getting old and I can't see so well anymore. And I was straining. I could barely read my Bible. So I went to the eye doctor and he's like, you need some reading glasses. You don't have to wear them all the time, um, but you should wear them when you're reading. They'll help you. Well, in this period, trying to figure out where I was going to be buried and how all this worked, I had like this regular doctor's checkup to get my eyes checked out. So I go into the doctor to get my eyes checked out and say, how the reading glasses going? Great. I'm able to read my Bible. I'm you know, reading when I'm doing my work. I can see I'm... Um, my laptop when I'm working now. And as he was doing my eye check, he's like, do you, um, do you wear your glasses at any time during the day? And I said, no. And he said, man, I don't know how you can see then. Cause he said, your vision is getting worse. He's like, how are you reading road signs and menus at restaurants and, you know, just signs and grocery stores. And I said, you know, I don't, I kind of, I don't know if I even look at most of them. He said, I'm surprised you just don't have a headache 24 seven. And I thought, there it is. Like, I'm not going to die. I am going blind, but I'm not going to die of a brain tumor. And I was so excited. And I was like, what does this mean? He said, well, you need to start wearing your glasses. And Danielle was like, no, you look dumb in your glasses. You're not wearing glasses. Get contact. So he, I went back. I said, give me some glass, give me some contacts. So he gave me contacts. And a few months ago, I wore my contacts to church for the very first time. And I remember sitting on the front row, turning to Michelle and saying, 
man, are the screens always that clear? And I looked up and there were lights everywhere and I could see people's faces. It was like being in a virtual reality, like tunnel for the first time. Like I could see clearly what was going on at church. And it's like, this is amazing. You know, all the bright colors that are, you know, in in our church. It was just unbelievable because I could see clearly. For some of you, you've never yet a day of your life seen clearly God's will for you, God's comfort for you, God's plan for you. God's relationship with you, but if you hang with the six, this six weeks, I think we can get you there. Hearing from God is a spiritual skill, but it brings clarity, and it brings the ability to live with God in life. How do we get that skill? This is where we go to Samuel, and we say, teach us. So what does Samuel teach us? Well, number two, here's the first thing we learn from Samuel, and we'll learn a lot more the next two weeks. Number two, we have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural communication. We have to learn to create supernatural space if we want to hear supernatural communication. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? What kind of communication are you talking about? Let me turn the question around. What kind of communication do you need? You see, you need to create supernatural space if you want to hear supernatural comfort. You say, Christian, I've had a hard week. What happened this week actually made me have a flashback to what had happened to my, I need some supernatural comfort this week. Well, you have to create supernatural space if you want to hear supernatural comfort. You have to create supernatural space if you want to hear supernatural direction. You say, Christian, I've got some hard decisions to make in my life. I need God to speak to me. You have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural direction. You have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural hope. Say, Christian, I'm in a dark season of my life. My my divorce was just finalized. I just broke up with someone after a period of years. I just lost my job. I just was diagnosed with this or a family member was. Christian, this just happened with one of my closest friends. I need some supernatural hope. You have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural hope. You have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural instruction. I'm not sure how to parent my kid now that, now that he's a teenager, now that she's a teenager. I'm not sure how to minister to a friend at work who I can see hurting, but I don't know if I've got an open door to help them. I need some supernatural instruction. You have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural instruction, and you have to create supernatural space to hear supernatural rebuke. I hear people all the time that I talk to, and I say, man, you've got to change the way you're living. And they say, you know what? God's not been telling me that because you've not been asking him. But sometimes we all need a little supernatural rebuke in our life. But we have to create a supernatural space so we can hear that supernatural rebuke. We have to give God time to speak to us. He's speaking every day. But so often we're so busy we don't hear any of it. And I believe one of the greatest threats to hearing from God is busyness. So I'm not hearing God speak. And it's probably because you're too busy to stop and listen had a college professor tell me if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy because it accomplishes the exact same thing. It disconnects you from God. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. It accomplishes the same thing. It disconnects you from God. What are you so connected to in busyness that you have no time to be connected to God in righteousness with? What is it from you that's keeping you from hearing from God? A few years ago, a movie came out that I really loved. It was called Signs. It starred Mel Gibson. It was a story about crop circles and possible alien invasions by M. Night Shyamalan. And one of the ways that they protected themselves from the aliens is they made themselves these little like foil hats. And apparently, if you've ever, if you're ever being invaded by aliens and you wear tinfoil hats on your head, it will keep anything that you are thinking from getting to them. 
And it will keep anything that they want you to think from getting to you because aliens apparently can practice mind control. So if you wear this on your head, no supernatural thoughts will get through to you and none of your thoughts will get through to them. And I saw this picture and I thought, man, that is happening in our world. Give me my hat, Michelle. I thought that is happening in our world. We have people say, Christian, you look ridiculous. I know. Just hang with me. We have people say, I didn't hear from God this week. It's because your busyness doesn't allow anything from God to get through to you. Say, Christian, you look ridiculous. Take that off. No, listen, you look ridiculous when you say, I need supernatural comfort from God, but I don't have any time for him. You look ridiculous when you say, I need to learn how to parent my kids, but I don't have time to go to church on Sunday because I've got 7,000 baseball games this summer. You look ridiculous when you say, my heart is broken over my divorce or where my marriage is right now, but I have no time for God to speak into that. No, we look ridiculous. When we say, God, I need you, but I have no time for you. And our busyness keeps God from getting through to our heart. Our busyness keeps God from getting through to our minds. And we run and run and run. So say, Christian, I need to hear from God. I just need him to talk faster. Like we've got God on the college professor rule. Did any of you go to a college like I did where if the professor was five minutes late for class, the class could leave and they wouldn't get in trouble? Unless they had a PhD, then you'd have to wait 15 minutes. And then you, if he was 15 minutes late, you got to leave. A lot of us have God on the college professor schedule. It's like, God, if you're five minutes late, I don't have time for you. God, if you take 16 minutes instead of 15 minutes, I don't have time for you. You know what a lot of us say to God? Can you text me? I don't have time for a phone call today. I need you to hear, I need to hear from you, but I need it to be real quick because I'm really busy today. And the reality is one of the greatest threats to hearing from God is just busyness. So Samuel wasn't busy. And we look at Samuel's life and we learn the first three things in this series of how to hear the voice of God. What is it with Samuel? Let's look at the first three verses again to learn how to do what Samuel did. First Samuel 3, 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of his God was. Listen, I'll state it one more time just in case you didn't write it down. Many people want to hear from God without spending time with God. But I don't think it's a spiritual problem. I think it's just a social problem. Many of us want to have great marriages without spending time with our spouses. Many of us want to have great relationship with our teenagers without ever spending time with our teenagers. All of us want to be able to add an apple to whatever we're eating and just lose weight as if we were on a full-blown diet. Like we would love microwaved Christianity, microwaved marriage, microwaved parenting. And God says, why don't you just slow down a little bit? Why don't you just slow down a little bit? Samuel learned to hear the voice of God because he learned to slow down and spend time around the presence of God. And as we look at these three verses, what we find are three tips. Like if we just do what Samuel did, we find ourselves doing three things that really allow our life to begin to live in the process of hearing from God. What did Samuel do? Three tips for creating supernatural space. Three things Samuel did that if we do, I believe will help us hear the voice of God. This is just one of six messages in this series. This isn't the end all, but it's a good start. Number one, you got to spend time in the right places. You got to spend time in the right places. You got to figure out where the presence of God is. You got to figure out where the spirit of God is. You got to figure out where the word of God is. And you got to go there if you want to hear from God. It says that Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord. 
Now, we can actually know what that looked like because the house of the Lord at the time was the tabernacle. This is the tabernacle with a little cutaway. Inside, you can see the first half of the tabernacle. It has the menorah. It's got the altar of incense. It's got the table of showbread. Behind the second curtain was the holy of holies where the high priest could only go once a year on the day of atonement, which, by the way, was yesterday. If you're Jewish, you celebrated Yom Kippur because atonement in the Hebrew is Ha Kippurim. You celebrated Yom Kippur. It was the one day of the year. You could have all your sins of the previous year wiped away because the high priest on that day could go to God on your behalf and say, I'm sorry. Then he would lay his head on a goat. He'd send it out of town and it would symbolize your sins being removed from God. That happened yesterday. If you're Jewish, you can check your calendar. If you want to double check me, Samuel probably wasn't sleeping in there. That was the house of the Lord, but that was a place of ministry. But the tabernacle complex was bigger. It sat within a courtyard that was set up for it, that held the altar of sacrifice, that held the basin of washing. Samuel was probably laying down in that complex. So was Eli. It's where they lived as priests ministering before the Lord. And we find out that Samuel lived where the presence of God lived. Samuel lived where the worship of God lived. Samuel lived where the people of God lived. And it's interesting how when you spend time around the presence of God, the spirit of God, the teaching of God, the worship of God, all of a sudden you're able to hear from God. Some of you in here, you want to hear, you deeply, deeply want to hear from God, but you've got to get faithful and spend time around God's house. You got to spend time around God's church. We don't have the tabernacle today. We don't have the temple today. God's not in a box anymore called the Ark of the Covenant. God lives inside of each one of us. But Jesus said of his church in Matthew 16, 18, I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And Jesus said, I'm going to be with my church. Jesus said, where two or three of you get together in my name, I'm going to be there. So there's more than three of us here today. We're here in his name, which means Jesus is here. So I want to hear from God. Get around where God is and you'll hear from God. He said, I want to hear from God, but I love to fish on Sunday. Well, how much do you want to hear from God? I want to hear from God, but I have season tickets. How much do you want to hear from God? I want to hear from God, but I want my kid to get a college scholarship. How much do you want to hear from God? I want to hear from God, but I love doing yard work on Sunday. How much do you want to hear from God? Samuel shows us you got to get in the place where God is moving. And you just got to listen. That's what he did. Number two, you got to spend time in right relationships. There's so much spiritual truth to this thought that God nudged Samuel. But it was a relationship that Samuel was in that helped him kind of finish what God was saying to him. There's some of you in here today, you're being nudged spiritually. You're just not sure what it means. And if you could go to the relationships in your life that have God at the center of them and say, I feel God saying this to me, what do you think? They could kind of finish that process that God has for you. It's been an interesting process watching our church grow Because in the first five years of our church, we had people come to our church as a church plant meeting in a school who were looking for new things in Christianity. They were looking for community. They were looking for opportunities to serve. And then we moved into this place. Our church doubled overnight. And we started drawing a lot of mature Christians that we were so grateful God sent because we needed them to help us. But mature Christians view church differently than new Christians. They kind of stand at an arm's length and they've matured to the point where they don't need groups as much. They don't need serving as much. They don't need people as much. They, they want to go to a church where they can worship and where they can learn, but they really don't have time for a lot of the other things. And what I'm realizing is we need the mature people in our church most. You say, I'm not Samuel. I know how to hear from God. You're right. You're not Samuel. You're Eli. And our church is filled with Samuels trying to figure out what God's saying to them. And we need you around them. To point them in the right direction. 
You say, I'm busy. We've already dealt with that. I don't have to preach that one again. We need your help. You've got to live in Christian community. It's not only how you hear from God, it's how we hear from God and how we help others hear from God. So men's group, women's group, serving groups, couples groups, mops, motorcycles, whatever. Spend time around the house of God. Spend time around the people of God. Because when you don't have time for the presence of God or the people of God, you won't have an ear for the voice of God. Say, man, I'm just too busy. Then it's not going to get through to your heart. I don't have time for the presence of God. I don't have time for the people of God. You will not hear the voice of God. But if you make time for God's place, if you make time for God's people, number three, then you can spend time learning to be still in God's presence. When you really understand what 1 Samuel 3, 3 says, it kind of helps us understand how to get ourselves in a posture to hear from God. In 1 Samuel 3, 3, it says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down there in the house of the Lord. This is a picture for us of Samuel in total stillness, but it included the lamp of God. What was the lamp of God? The lamp of God was the menorah that was in the tabernacle. That's what it was called, the lamp of God. We learn in Exodus chapter 27 that it was supposed to be lit right before twilight every night, and it was supposed to be lit right after dawn every morning for this reason. The lamp of God was never supposed to go out. The fire of God was never supposed to go out. Some of you, your fire's gone out. Some of you are here today and your fire's gone out. That's why you're not hearing from God anymore. You let the fire go out. But you can ignite it again. That was Samuel's job. Samuel's job was to keep the fire burning. So when we hear that Samuel was lying down in the house of God and the lamp had not gone out, we know that this was the pre-dawn hours of whatever day of the week this was. And very early in the morning, Samuel was spending time being still in the presence of God. And in that stillness, God spoke, Samuel. In that stillness, when everything else was quiet, God spoke, Samuel. And Samuel learned how to listen. You know, for this series, application is going to be so much more important than information. You have to realize as a pastor, I don't see my main role as being a teacher who gives information. I see myself being a spiritual coach who pushes people towards application. If you learn everything I'm saying but do nothing, I have failed as the teacher. The test is not a written piece of paper where you give back to me what I've given to you. The test is a lifestyle where you put into practice what we've learned from God. So we said this series is not just going to be about learning. It's going to be about living. And the theme for for this whisper series is going to be Psalm 4610. Psalm 46 starts out this way. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 4610 is about living in a troubled world. Psalm 4610 is about having a bad week. Psalm 4610 is about having a tough year. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. How do you sense God in trouble? Psalm 4610 is the answer. Be still. Be still. How do I hear from God when things are hard? Be still. How do I learn God's will in a time of discouragement? Be still. How do I find God's hope in a time of depression? Be still. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. How do you know that? Be still. God said, and you'll know that I am God. You see, the first step of this whisper series is this. If we want God to speak to us clearly, we've got to learn to stop and listen. Before we do anything, we have to cease from something. 
If we want God to speak to us clearly, we've got to learn to stop and to listen. Like Samuel, we've got to learn to spend time around the house of God. We've got to learn to spend time in spiritual community. We've got to be still around the presence of God's word. Because before you learn to hear, you have to learn to halt. God won't speak to you more loudly tomorrow than he did today. You might just hear him differently if you turn everything else down. That's the reality. Before we learn to hear, we have to learn to halt. So we said, how can we teach our people to halt? Not teach them that they need to, but actually teach them how to halt. Because a lot of people are saying, I'm in, but what do I do? So as a team, we got together and said, what do we need to do to help our people get in this posture of Samuel? And we created what you find in your bulletin here. We created what, we, what we're calling our Be Still Challenge. We're asking our people over the next 40 days to give God 15 minutes of every day to be still. Put the, put the kids away, put the animals away, get in your favorite quiet spot, turn on some soft music, light a candle, do whatever helps you chill out, unless it's illegal, don't do that. Um, get in a spot where you can just settle your soul. And then like Sam, will say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You're saying, then I just be quiet for 15 minutes? No, we actually want to help you do more than that. Inside your bulletin, if you're on your app, both of these things are on the app, so you can print them out. Inside your bulletin is what we call our Be Still Challenge Guide. I told our team, I believe our people want to hear from God. And they'll do what we're asking them, but we got to make it like really simple, A, B, C. we got to make it clear for people who want to hear from God, but like Samuel, they don't know how. So we printed out a Be Still Challenge Guide. This is how it works. 15 minutes every day for the next 45 days. Number one, read the verse of the day and the prayer of the day from the Be Still Challenge card. Every day of the week, we have a verse, a prayer verse for you and a prayer. Today's Sunday, you would read 2 Chronicles 7.14. You would pray this prayer just to settle your heart. Then you would spend a couple minutes, number two, memorizing from Scripture the verse of the week. Week one, week two, week three, week four. So you do this every day this week if you decide to take this challenge. Read it five or seven times each time. Try to read it a little less and quote it a little more. After you're done with that, I want you, if you're on your JCI Bible reading plan, I want you to just read your daily reading in that or get back on it if you're on it. If you're not, on the back of our challenge guide are 40 days of scripture that you can read. One chapter a day. Most of these chapters take less than three minutes of reading. And then when you're done with these things, we want you to dialogue with God. Listen for God. Ask three questions and write these three questions down in your journal that I ask you to buy this week or that you can pick up after church today. Number one, what's God saying? Summarize it in your own words. Okay, I just read James chapter one. What did God say in James chapter one? Question two, what does that mean to me? See, you're now switching from what did God say to what is God saying to me? What does that mean to me? Just one sentence. God said this. What does that mean to you? Question three, how should I respond to that truth? Now, all of a sudden, you're having a conversation with God. You're not just listening and you're not just talking. You're doing both. You're in an active conversation with God. And I believe you can do this in less than 15 minutes. And I would almost guarantee that if you do this for 40 days, you will hear from God not once, but multiple times. 15 minutes a day. It's 105 minutes a week. Less than two hours a week is the commitment you're making. Say, so, man, Christian, that's a lot of time. You know what? It's less than one of your kids' practices. And you go to a bunch of those. 
It's less than half of the Chiefs game that you'll watch tomorrow night as the Chiefs beat the Redskins on Monday night football. I mean, in one week, you'll spend less time than you spend doing half of that. It's less than two Netflix shows, middle school girls, you know, that you watch over and over and over and over. It's less time than two Netflix shows take to watch. It's less time than it takes to play a video game, high school guys, college guys, older guys still living in your mom's basement. It's less time than it takes to live a video game. It might be less time in a week than you spend on Facebook. 15 minutes a day, 105 minutes in a week to say, speak, Lord. So I'm listening. Speak, Lord, because I'm listening. You know what I want to teach our church to do? I want to teach our church to feed itself. American Christianity has this aspect to it. Have you ever seen a mama bird feed a baby bird? It's fascinating and disgusting all at once. You're like, you know how that works, right? A mama bird gets a worm and then it eats it and kind of does everything but totally processes and then it vomits it back up into the baby bird mouth. Ace Ventura did this on Ace Ventura too and it was phenomenal. Maybe you've seen that. That's how American Christianity works. That's what's happened today. God has given me this. I've digested it. Now I'm giving it back to you. Every time you read a book by your favorite author, it's baby bird feeding. You're digesting what God has said to them. And, and they're, they're throwing it back up for you. And you're getting what God has said to them. Every time you read your favorite blog, you're taking what someone else has digested and spit back up and, and you're eating it. That's one level of Christianity. But it's not where God wants you to be. He would like to teach you to set a table of fine china if you're not a vegetarian with the finest filet on it that you can possibly get with a fork and a knife. And he would like to teach you to feed yourself the meat of the word so you are not dependent on a pastor or an author or a blogger or a Twitter or a Facebook to hear from God, but so that you can go directly to the source and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then once you begin to process it, God's going to have you digest it and give it back to someone else. That's how it works. But I want to move our church past baby bird Christianity. It's time to move past that. God is speaking to you every day. If you will give him supernatural space and open your heart, you'll begin to hear him. And what you hear, like Samuel, might just change your life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?